Hello, everybody. This is Andre. Welcome to the Marketing Innovation Show. On today's episode, we have a very special guest and old friend, Taylor Ryan, straight out of Copenhagen. Hi, Taylor. How's it going? Hey, long time no see. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Very excited for today. Uh, so yes, guys, uh, in short, but I'm going to let Taylor uh, say a bit more about himself. Taylor is a serial entrepreneur. He's a lecturer for Copenhagen Business School. Uh, he's the owner of Clean Marketing Agency in Copenhagen um, and also the founder of Architecture Quote, which is a SaaS business for archi- small and medium architecture firms. And today we will tackle two subjects. Both of them are very relevant for today's market and uh, very interesting for setting up the uh, sort of international market vibe, <laughs> to say so. What we will discuss is, first of all, uh, marketing tactics and strategies in today's uh, not so stable market. So we look at uh, what has changed in the market uh, nowadays, um, bringing on the table Taylor's uh, experience from the Nordics as well as from the US, where uh, he has clients working with the agency, as well as uh, you know uh, having a little brainstorm in terms of our clients from the UK and Romania. And then we'll go deeper into uh, the actual challenges or opportunities that showed for him launching uh, actually, last week, the Architecture Code platform uh, in a bit of a not-so-stable market. So really exciting, Taylor. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, so, this is cool, man. I, by the way, nailed the intro. I am so impressed <laughs> with that. Like, it's really smooth. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, Let's go. Let's dive straight in. So, tell us a bit more about you, about what you have been up to lately. Uh, how's life? Yeah, man. Uh, so, I've been. I think, like everybody else, I've talked to. I've been crazy busy. Uh, you know, I, I've seen kind of the same, the same signals that I caught uh, in 2008, and I, I see all of the same kind of things happening again. There wasn't a pandemic in 2008, but uh, yeah, the economy still took a giant dive and um, yeah, things were really shaky for a while for a lot of people. And so I've been doubling down, which is really hard to do considering I was already working seven days a week. Um, Now it's just longer days. Uh, But there's a couple of key projects that I've been pushing super heavily on. And it's also, yeah, being aware of what happened in 08 and what I can do now, you know, like the concept of, if you had a time machine and you could go back in time and tell yourself anything, what would you say? And I don't think most people would get in a time machine and be like, just keep doing you, you know, like <laughs> you're, you're awesome. Just do you. No, they would say, don't fucking waste time on that. Please start using this, find a way to automate, do, you know, and those are things that I'm, I'm now looking at going, oh man, I got to get my game going. So Yeah, things are going all right with the agency. I had five or six proposals out uh, at the beginning of February and basically a bunch of people pumping the brakes and saying, please, we want to do this. Just give us a month to see what's going on. And, you know, from somebody that runs a business, I'm like, damn, okay, like I got to pay rent, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, I moved offices uh, yesterday, actually. And uh, that was exciting. And uh, as you had mentioned, yeah, I've been creating this platform uh, to to really start to actually take advantage, maybe that's not the right word, or uh, make use of a, a tough economy. And on top of all that, I just released my Growth Hacking Masterclass, the online version, because nice. I, yeah, 
I mean, I recorded two different two day long classes and, you know, when you sit down and I'm sure it's the same with you and you go to edit like a podcast and it's like a really long one, you're like, eh, <laughs> like I'll do that one later. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's just 16 hours of content. So, <laughs> so is that uh, a course that you plan on launching or is already live? Um, It's currently being reviewed. I decided to go with Udemy because I kind of liked their uh, platform. I think they're pretty flexible when it comes to like the pricing and you can change stuff. And yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, thanks. I think the crazy thing is like, this is definitely a good time for anybody to start learning, not only because it's like, hey, you have a ton of free time but also everybody's putting out their classes for basically nothing right now. Mm -hmm. So something to think about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, and you mentioned the, you know, this proposal coming in and then people kind of <laughs> pushing the brakes. Uh, we saw some, something similar to that in uh, both actually uh, UK and Romania. Uh, obviously there were some people that had like a little wake up call saying like, Oh wait, everything is going digital and we are not like not even, merely prepared for taking our business digital. So that was somewhere where we could step in. But also uh, people that were not very sure, they kind of said, okay, let's slow down for a bit and see how this goes. Um, yeah. what's, what's your feeling in terms of the markets that you have been active in? Uh, what do you think um, worked better now for different companies that you work with? Or did you change anything in the way that you were doing things before? Well, you know, in... in, in trying to be like totally transparent and honest it, it's people see that you obviously have uh you had invested interest in making sure that you're potentially bringing them on as a client so when i give advice to people that are like should i halt all things related to driving sales via outbound because nobody's buying my immediate answer is no and i don't do that mm -hmm. internally either But of course, they're like, well, yeah, you would say that because, you know, like I'm going to give you fucking money. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that because I want your money. Although, of course, like I, I want to continue to scale during this time. What you don't want to do and what is purely objective and just me asserting what happened in 2008 is, there, you know, there's numbers on this, which is fascinating. So the number of companies that decided to completely stop and slash budgets and basically put on hold everything that they were doing across different sales and marketing channels, it took years to catch back up. Mm -hmm. And that's not always an option for everybody, uh, you know, and, and there's certainly different areas that make sense. But what that essentially means is that your current, and it's a false narrative right now. So like you're currently still kind of catching the vapors of the stuff that you did three months ago, six months ago even. You know, and so if you completely go radio silent right now or turn the volume way down, the getting back up to normal is going to be that much more difficult. And, you know, it, it comes down to prioritization. Like, what are the things that make you money? Like, I, I've always had this, this uh, analogy or phrase that's, you know, if it doesn't make you happy and it doesn't make you money, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that we have to look at our businesses. And so if you're genuinely believing that, Not doing outbound uh, is going to be a good idea, and then you'll come back in six months or a year when things start to progress, and things are just going to pick right up. No, like those things are going to, uh, you know, your outbound funnel is going to go cold, and it's basically starting completely over. 
so like the graphic that I have here uh, was pulled off of this really interesting case study that I found that basically shows a, uh, a group of people that basically maintained their budget in 2008. Uh, and this is measured by the number of sales that they had. Mm-hmm. Then it was people that halved their budget uh, on the red line. And then it was people that basically zeroed or completely cut all of their marketing budget. And what you can see in this graph is every kind of big line and then uh, dip is a year. So it took people almost four or five years to catch back up to where they were uh, originally. And this is how a market leader can be formed going from a number nine to a number two or a three. Mm-hmm. Like this is where it's at. And, and that's why I've been like, fuck, I got to work, you know, because like I'm trying like right now to make sure that I have the ability to get up to that level. Because mm-hmm. uh, now is not the time to stop spending. So super long answer, but like I'm really passionate about this, as you can tell. And mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to to kind of impart that not only on friends that own businesses, but also yeah, potential clients and just the public in general. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the channels, uh, let's say if somebody is forced, I mean, uh, in terms of our public, probably about 70% would be uh, marketing people, marketing professionals, and maybe sales. And then about 30% would be entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, business people just uh, interested in news. So um, let's say somebody is part of a medium business and they had to cut budgets. I mean, they didn't, uh, maybe not, not to zero, but certainly scale down on marketing investment. And they need to make a decision now whether uh, I mean, where to invest that money the best until they get approval from the CEO or the CFO to get back to normal. Um, in this situation, what what do you think works best nowadays? Where do you think money is best invested in? Yes. So I have a slide for that. Uh, <laughs> I spent like an entire weekend, like whenever I get like uh, these cool webinars, I, I was asked to do a webinar for the travel and hospitality industries. Tough. <laughs> yeah. And like both like just super screwed uh, when it comes to that. And so, yeah, to answer the question of like, where do you find the money or where do you cut down and where do you scale up? Uh, I found a couple of interesting studies. Uh, there was one really interesting one from Deloitte. I'll show that uh, next, but this one was actually super fascinating. So like this basically goes into, yes, with marketing, you need to jump out in front of your competitors, even when there's less people buying, because the, the margins that you make off of those keep you in business. Uh, R&D is for like larger companies, but that means for smaller organizations, that means different business model developments, different use cases. So if you were a restaurant, then holy shit, I guess you're doing delivery now mm-hmm. or looking into the catering business or looking into more localized plays but it basically means product development. Um, New products, it depends on the business and sometimes you don't really have the ability to do that, but that means what are the things that we can additionally offer our customers to make them happy or at least the perception that they're getting more for the same amount. Mm -hmm. And that could be a little bit of branding, that could also be just doing more manual things that don't scale, but ultimately keep these customers as super loyal advocates for your brand or your product or service. Mm-hmm. Uh, relative price is basically like, are you going to lower the price of your product or your service? And I think I've actually kept my pricing uh, with only like one or two exceptions is kind of like a, I'll hook you up. Uh, but just bear in mind, like this is the first six months. I know you're hurting, 
But uh, the next six months, like we're going back to the regular pricing and, and I should be taking my own advice on that. And yet I'm not, uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think it really depends. Um, yeah. Are you lowering your pricing? I'm, I'm no, curious. We haven't, uh, but it depends because the industry generally started to make some discounts, which impact the quality. I mean, it's probably the same case for you as it is for us, that we have a very competitive price anyway already. And of that price, we actually do the work. <laughs> I mean, uh, there are yeah. some agencies out there that, for example, charge you 500 euros uh, for SEO. And then once a month, they just give you a report and say to do it yourself. Uh, yeah. While when we charge 500 <laughs> euros or whatever for, a, like for the first month of SEO on site, and it's probably the same with you, uh, you actually go and explain what that report means and then you go and implement or configure the plugins or whatever yeah. it is that you need to do. So uh, I think that's the difference and that's why we can't... Uh, the people that lowered the prices more than, let's say, this level are probably the people that also impact on the quality of the work that they do. Um, yeah. And I... I would always advise people to, I mean, you know, don't come to us if you don't want to spend the money. But, uh, <laughs> but, but no, That's I just, honest. I like it. No, no, no. Like you can go to somebody else. I'm sure you can find something cheaper in the market, but also be aware that the outcome is going to be different. And then it's down to you whether you want to restart this process six months down the line when you don't have the results and you missed out on the opportunity of growing in a market that kind of stopped. So you gain an unfair advantage ultimately by doing it. Or uh, you want to go for the cheaper option. And we have, I think, five or six cases of clients that had this experience before with other agencies and came to us to basically fix it in a way. And we are happy to do it. And we can see results like instantly almost. But, uh, you know, it's always that thing. I'd say as as you gave the example, if it's something that is only helping them and you at the same time to start that relationship, and it's only for a very limited amount of time, or maybe it's like an, an additional service that if you uh, decrease the price, it doesn't mean that it decreases the resource allocated to it. So if it's something like technology, for example, that can be, uh, you know, like you can give them a free license for something if it's your technology or if you have a free license for the first month or two until they get the return on investment or the cash yes. flow going. So that's, that's a very good approach, what you, what you mentioned. But otherwise, I've definitely seen that too. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but I was like, oh. So. No, 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 no. I think I think it's very good, and I think that uh, this 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 needs to be discussed more because people need to know what they get into if they start to battle on the price or go for the lowest price. It's dangerous. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the, the, just a side tangent that I'd love to touch on is uh, just listening to a buddy of mine, uh, Brian Colligan, who runs a uh, interesting growth podcast kind of thing. And um, he has this theory that he's, he's borrowed from somebody else, which is everything in terms of software eventually goes to zero. So when you first probably looked at, I don't know, like hosting services, they were crazy expensive. Now they're virtually free. Any type of online solution that provided a pretty decent product, uh, whether it's an app or uh, a CRM system, all of those are eventually going to be free because it's a digital good. And it, of course, there is some, some initial investment of the company putting stuff in, but it means that you have to find new and inventive ways 
of upselling or giving additional value on top of what that original rudimentary product was. And Mm -hmm. you can see that across like every industry. Like you never thought that you would see, I don't know, like there's so many different examples, like the people that expect so much more, like, you know, flying, for instance, you know, like there was a time where flying was super novel and everybody had to dress up really fancy to to get on a plane and people would die going from one place to another. Now, you know, like you can get a flight from here to where you are in London for 25 bucks, obviously not today during COVID-19. Uh, but all of these business services eventually become marginalized by price. Everything goes to zero. And I have a feeling that unless you consistently offer new and creative ways of providing more and more value, eventually you're going to get wedged out of the market. It sucks, but that's like, hey, keep, you know, keep building. Mm-hmm. And, and that's for technology specifically, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. You mentioned a, sli- a slide with a study from Deloitte. Uh, shall we have a look at that? Yeah, the last little bit uh, to, to just explain the things that you should spend less money on mm-hmm. and more money on, it, it's dovetailing really nicely. But any administrative stuff, so if you have somebody that basically is a house admin or like office assistant and they're not really serving any role other than just making things a little nicer around the house, get rid of it. If your fixed assets, such as like a rented van for your business or I don't know, you have two separate offices that you're not actually using the space. It's what I explained to a lot of the folks that were uh, in the hospitality business. If you have four or five properties and two of them haven't actually done anything but break even, like now's the time to bail on the ones that aren't working so well. And and that'll free up some capital. But yeah, the, the really fascinating ones that I had in here from Deloitte, you can still see my screen, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, So in terms of 2008, the airlines that really won were those that consolidated. So basically they pulled out of shit markets. Like if they weren't making money at, at, you know, running that particular route, they're like, cool, we're not doing it anymore. This is ridiculous. They unbundled services in order to show more value. So instead of being like, this is the whole works, they, (laughs) they started charging for individual items and showing how they added up to the ultimate price. Uh, and you know there were incentives like, hey, we're the only airline that allows your bags to fly free, and that actually got people thinking that they were, you know, a better airline. And mm-hmm. I think we'll see more of that again, where people are like, I don't want to be nickel and dimed, you know, for a second bag to carry on. Uh, the biggest winners were Delta and Southwest because they bought up fuck tons of planes when everybody was trying to get rid of their fleets. So in three years, Delta and Southwest basically controlled most of the U.S practically overnight because they bought up planes at the fraction of the cost and they were able to scale. And then Mm -hmm. the last one that I find the most relevant for any business was data integrations. So better tracking, better uh, automation, better uh, like customer success solutions. So abandoned cart emails, hyper-targeting on like an individual granular level of clicks, uh, sequencing emails based off of previous purchase, like all that shit, like that's mm-hmm. the stuff that really, really works. And it's the same thing with hotels. Like they basically did all the same stuff in terms of upgrading during a, a really tight kind of budget so that they show more inherent value. And also these data integrations saved tons of money. Mm-hmm. 
question here. So if you were to think about the channels, because uh, I mean, I also have an opinion here, but I want to see yours first. Um, in terms of the channels and where somebody should be looking at spending more, uh, do you think, uh, obviously, these industries are, are you know, are a bit uh, impacted now. So my personal view is that branding should count a lot and also uh, restructuring these sort of processes, whether offline or online or in the business. But if you were to think about individual channels, because, uh, you know, from your growth hacker <laughs> mind, <laughs> uh, I know that you look a lot at channels and at uh, what performs best analyzing data and looking like, for example, organic channels versus paid channels versus etc. cetera. Um, what do you think is especially important nowadays? Or do you have an opinion or uh, on channels that would be interesting for people to invest more? Depending yeah. on industries. Oh, definitely. So like, I'll start with what I'm playing right now. You, you can still see my browser, History. right? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So this is a click farm in China. Uh, and the devices that are stacked up against the walls are basically remote uh, devices. They're, they're phones. They're being controlled by uh, basically a few different installed uh, apps that allow for uh, automation. So basically it inherently skews all of the social media data to basically have a firm like mine or yours or a, a bad actor, let's say, that wants to show that they can get a shitload of engagement on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever platform you like, then you would use a click farm like this. And there are hundreds of click farms within China alone, anywhere else in the Europe, uh, EU, uh, outside of it as well. So the, the, the whole deal, and, and I keep saying this, I, I did a whole presentation at an event called Nordic Growth Hackers, where I explained most of the metrics that we're getting from social media are vanity metrics. The only things that you should really be caring about are conversions that lead to basically sales, revenue. And so if I'm able to show using really simple uh, reports on analytics, the total amount of traffic uh, that you get from, let's say, LinkedIn is only 5%. Great. And of that 5%, you only convert about 1% of that. That means if I were to put the same amount of effort and energy to a platform that only gives me 1% of my total conversions, then I would probably say, hmm. I need to put less time on social media and more time on organic traffic and things that actually scale. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the different social media platforms with very few exceptions are not scalable unless it is a personal brand. That means you're fucking throwing away money by posting anything on your company's page. Uh, so if like you look at any of your favorite brands, whether they're B2C or B2B, for the most part, the engagement is so low, it's not even worth posting. Um, I think it's relevant to stay, uh, yeah, to stay kind of in the conversation. So on occasion, once a week, post something, but by no means are we supposed to be hoping that we're going to scale organically across LinkedIn, Facebook, even Instagram from a, a company page perspective. It's all for personal brand. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, just to, just to battle the idea here a bit, or to to let you know how Go we how we think about it, uh, and then obviously listeners can pick their side. Um, in terms of the social media, I, I totally agree to the fact that the organic reach is very low, and also this is the reason why we tell people not to count on it for lead generation. Uh, rather, what 
how we think about organic social media is people will look for you um, after they visited your website on one of the social platforms, depending on the niche. So whether that's LinkedIn or Facebook generally, or Instagram, if it's fashion or cosmetics. So uh, when they go there and when they see the platforms, they need to see a nicely brand profile. So they need to see a brand that is active, that is professional in the way that they communicate, that has a community. And as much as possible, that community is engaged with them. Now, Obviously, we are fighting the algorithms which are now decreasing the reach. But still, uh, where we think organic social media still is relevant, uh, but is obviously not the only channel to, <laughs> to count on for acquisition, is in terms of the brand build, uh, brand branding yeah. <laughs> yeah, and community engagement. Yeah, it's, uh, and I agree with that. I think it's a validation point. So if I'm considering whether or not to use uh, a software tool and I look at their online presence and they have zero posts and two followers and one employee on LinkedIn, I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't know, bullshit detector. Like, I, I don't think this is going to be a really good investment if I'm going for a monthly recurring uh, payment to these guys. Like, I don't know how long they're going to be around. So mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a good point to that. I, I agree 100% with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that was just uh, an intervention. So sorry, go on. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that I can see uh, a use for social media and, and increasing reach. It's obviously a, a very different play if you're a B2C product. I still think that there's relevance within, uh, yeah, Instagram, TikTok. I've been all over it and trying to kind of figure out what the most scalable way of coming at it from a B2B player is. And uh, are you on TikTok, by the way? Are you messing with it? Uh, me, myself, personally, uh, yes, but I didn't do much of uh, the content side of things. However... Uh, next week, uh, if everything goes well, we are going to launch our agency profile, which we're going to use to play around more with it. Uh, yeah. what, what's, what's, your, what's your TikTok? I want to follow you. Yeah, it's uh, Clint Marketing. So um, you can look up Clint Marketing, K-L-I-N-T Marketing. And yeah, I mean, it, it's really easy. It's like the, I don't know, I think Gary Vaynerchuk calls it like uh, pillar content where you're basically shooting one time, but you make, you know, 20, 30 pieces of content out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've done that with TikTok because you're only allowed to have the, the max length is like one minute for these videos. Mm -hmm. And so over the last month and a half, you know, I, I'm up to like 20 to 30,000 uh, views per day or sorry, per week. And, you know, I think I'm getting like 20 to 30 new subscribers per day. So like it's, it's growing. Good stuff. Good um, stuff. Yeah. It, it, I think the platform is evolving so fast because the reality is a lot of major brands want to fuck with it. They want to throw money at influencers on whatever the hot new thing is. So if it's all people shaking their asses and drunken, dumb videos, like nobody's going to throw money at it. It's not going to happen. But what happens is that as the platform matures and there's people putting out insightful uh, videos or stuff that's educational that people continue to consume. Those are the players that are going to get these big sponsorships. Those are the players that are actually going to have huge followings in a matter of six months to a year. So yeah, there's definitely a reason why people that are a little older in age tend to follow me and not maybe, I don't know, 10 year olds and 12 year olds, but uh, it, it's worth looking into because just like, I don't know, Pinterest is probably the other channel that has the highest amount of people that consume content 
and regularly engage with it versus the amount of people posting it. So like on Instagram, everybody and their mom posts stuff every day. But on TikTok, there's only a handful of people that are consistently putting out stuff. Same with Pinterest. So the uh, creators versus consumers ratio is perfect. So mm -hmm. it's definitely something to look at. Very cool. Uh, it would be really nice if we could uh, reorganize like one of these episodes in two months time and see, yeah. you know, like how... Uh, what we found and then share your experience, share our experience and see how we could help because we, we are also planning to launch it as a service sometime this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> after, after we get the grips of everything about it. Uh, yeah. But obviously we want to play around with it a lot and it'd be really interesting to see how brands could benefit from it best because at the moment it's a bit of a, a cloud <laughs> around. Can you tell me about that? I, I'm always curious to kind of hear how others are, are flipping uh, like new service offerings and, I don't see an immediate way of giving, you know, without having to like hire somebody whose only job is to just put out kind of bubbly uh, content that's related to people that would buy a product. How do you envision doing TikTok content for a client? Uh, I think in the first stage, it would be more about consulting them to create a TikTok content, basically, because uh, all of the conversations, 100%, where uh, we want to use TikTok, how should we use it? We want to. <laughs> like, We've heard of this thing, you know. We we want in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like everybody's on TikTok. What do we need to do on it? <laughs> But you know, like really you have to have like so, some sort of strategy around it, and we are trying to contour ours now. And it's uh, I I checked your videos really quick now, and I think uh, it's very similar. So probably some parts of this episode are going to be on our TikTok as well. And if you want to share them with you, so you put it yeah, on yours yeah. then, <laughs> cool. by all means. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the podcast is going to be some of our content from TikTok and then, uh, you know, the conferences and these sort of videos, like educational in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think to dovetail in on that, I'd love to add something really small, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. So when you look back on historical recessions or historical tough times in uh, economics, uh, the Spanish flu that hit during, which is crazy with the timelines, 1918 to, uh, not 2020, Jesus, 1920. <laughs> that would be crazy if <laughs> the Spanish flu was still around. There you go. So um, one of like the, the most interesting, I, I can't find the source and it's driving me nuts, but the three biggest businesses that flourished during that recession, as well as some of the more recent ones, uh, is basically entertainment equals escapism. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden brothels were like a thing to do because people <laughs> had been stuck inside and no real uh, ability to meet the ladies. Uh, theater exploded. So they had tons of theaters and live performances opening up because there weren't movies obviously back in 1918. And then the printing press. So people consumed so much content because they wanted to escape. So books became a, you know, crazy scalable and people were reading voraciously because the idea of focusing on the depressing state of things was too much for most people. Mm -hmm. This is also why all these crazy and, and good superhero movies have come out during basically kind of the, uh, the, 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 The blowback from 2008, all those superhero movies did so well. That's why the Marvel Universe basically blew up after 2008 because people are like, I don't want to see something that's going to bum me out. I want to see something with, yeah, all the <laughs> favorite characters of comic books. But we'll see that again. 
you know, and if you look at the biggest winners and some, uh, I love this chart. This thing took me two and a half hours to make. I saw it on your LinkedIn a, a couple of days ago. Yes. Oh, cool. So like a lot of these companies that flourish inside of, uh, yeah, downtimes and recessions happen to be entertainment companies, not all of them, but you certainly have Disney exploded out of basically a, a really long recession. You have EA, uh, the uh, EA Sports, you know, like that mm-hmm. whole video game uh, company. I mean, there's so many that kind of jumped out of this. And a lot of like the bigger networks also jumped in. I think I'm covering those. Uh, no, I'm not. I had them in here somewhere. But in any event, um, yeah, I, I definitely see that being a major potential possibility for startups that are focused on entertainment. I, I think one of the most interesting byproducts that will probably come from this is AR and VR probably mm-hmm. got bumped up by like three or four years because people are like, what happens when I got to stay home and do nothing again? I mm-hmm. wish I'd had like this awesome VR headset. I have yes. a feeling that's coming. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> VR for sure. Um, okay, and I think this is a very nice uh, point of transition into uh, the other subject of your newly launched venture. Uh, how is that going? What is that doing? How are you launching it, basically? Because, uh, you know, it's a period. So I'd be, I'd be super curious, and I think our people here as well, uh, maybe some of them or many of them had to re-plan or postpone some of the campaigns or product launches. Uh, how are you doing with yours? You know, it's, it's surprisingly... Good. It's one of those things that, you know, I'm not from the future, but I I kind of saw what was going on in terms of the existing uh, uh, scaling of this crazy bear market that we had. Like a 17-year bear market is just unheard of. Like it doesn't, like it doesn't happen like that. And so I was wondering, like, okay, if there is an industry that does really well during good times but crash is hard during bad times, what would it be? And so one of the easiest industries that I looked at was architecture, engineering, and construction. And so I was like, all right, let me see what this is all about. And I had actually worked for a construction project management tool for a number of years out here and and built them up to basically uh, set them up for acquisition. And yeah, so I started making a bunch of friends that were architects and it it became very obvious to me that not only digitalization was lost within architecture, but these people have no way of doing real deal flow. And if you or I were to go in and present the way that we would go about doing marketing for uh, an architecture firm, dude, they have no idea what you're talking about. And it's because they're the artists. So like the reality is you can't sell something to somebody when they don't understand what it is. And at the very least, with a lot of the other companies I've worked with, at least there's a frame of reference. I'm able to say, okay, so like if you had to sell uh, and you have like only one converting channel to do so, like what is your best performing channel? They don't know what those words mean because it's never been part of the status quo of the industry. Nobody talks about uh, any metrics. There is no deal flow. There is no optimization tools. There's no automation. So I'm like, wait, how are you guys still in business? Like, why is this still a thing? And the reality is it's a bunch of really old school people that kind of hold the keys to everything. It's basically the entire industry is made up of, yeah, five or six companies that are spread all over the world. 
and they win 90% of the projects. And so the crumbs are left to other people. So it's like, cool, what if I fucking put everything in one platform that you would ever need? So you can find all the projects that you want in one place. And hey, you know what? <laughs> like here, I'll actually make the proposal process easy too. You want that? And even when you present it that easily, and by the way, it's fucking free. People will still go, yeah, not interested. That's not how I work. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Do you have any idea where you're going to be in six months? Watch what happens. So I'm only going after like the top 5% or less of that industry and saying, look, you have what is essentially this really short window of opportunity where people from a younger generation that are slowly climbing uh, the ladder are going to understand like, yo, they're doing optimization over there. They're doing deal flow processes over there. Why aren't we doing that? And the reality is like, that's what innovation is. Like that's mm -hmm. the name of your podcast, you know? So I'm, I'm looking for a handful of players that get it. And once it's, it's kind of in play, then it, it picks up like rapid fire. Or, so, or so you mentioned it's free. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> Why not? Very cool. I, I, I think, you know, and you could probably relate to this with a lot of like social media groups. The, the concept is if you give away enough value, you build up a community essentially overnight. Mm -hmm. So I want to take all the potential users that would actually buy my product and give them everything for free. Give it basically that everything goes to zero approach. And my next goal is to then offer something that they couldn't get anywhere else mm -hmm. at a higher price point. So that would be proposal optimization and automation. Mm -hmm. Very cool. But we'll see. It's a gamble. Mm -hmm. So luck. <laughs> No, but I, I love it. And um, after the podcast, I'll make sure to share the links with you so we can put in the description and uh, get people that maybe are in this niche um, the place to go and have a look into it. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't mean to say like, fuck, I, I'm really passionate about this stuff and I've been at this for two years now. And I think it's the world is hitting kind of that, that reshuffling, the reset button. And that's where like crazy, interesting things pop out that just aren't predictable. And, and that's kind of what I'm hoping is going to come from unfortunate circumstances are kind of new blossoming beginnings. You know, it's keep using that reference like the Phoenix, but I don't know, come up with something better, a different time. But I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on, on where you see some of the bigger wins coming out of kind of these, these darker times and, and less, yeah, industrious moments. Yeah, so in terms of the markets, um, technology is for sure going to be at a point of innovation. I, in terms of the VR, actually, uh, we have discussed this and brought it up in a different episode uh, nice. with, one of our, with one of our guests. And we were thinking about, you know, like what is going to be changing in the way that people consume stuff? And then entertainment and VR were some of the things like, you know, those two, I also think, as you mentioned, that they are going to be reinvented in a way. Um, and also, yeah, in terms of the transport and logistics and the things that were basically put on pause now, um, I don't have a very strong opinion, but I think that the people that were not doing enough of the digital things are going to be like you either do it or not. And then if you don't, then you don't survive. <laughs> not, yeah. not to mention thrive in the next uh, in the next couple of months or years. Um, but it's definitely interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the sectors, I, I don't have too much knowledge on the, in the engineering side of things. But I think that, as you mentioned, 
uh, like hearing it from you, I think that you you see the very good opportunity, and I'd I'd be super happy to you know to spread the word and to help you push that to the market because I I think it's a, a very nice initiative. Thanks, man. Yeah, much appreciated. So um, let's see, because I know that you are a, a busy man, and we are getting uh, close to the end of the to the end of the podcast. Let's see. What we usually try to do is to draw some uh, action points or some, you know, like to filter out the information to some essential points that people can get and apply straight into their business or think about them in an actionable way for their business. If we were to think about the current situation and marketing in general, um, what would you say are the main points that people should take away and uh, make sure to implement it? I think uh, a couple of things. So finding talent has never been easier because people are getting fired. And so it's incredibly easy to find the people that were locked up and, and impossible to reach before in terms of like a really amazing uh, like paid campaign manager or somebody that's awesome with like email automation or even a handful of developers that are pretty okay with setting up like, uh, I don't know, pixelation tools or mix panel or something like So talent, I definitely think applying more metrics, data and automated reporting is is the future. And if you're not able to draw out conclusions based on numbers, you need to reevaluate your business model. It's not, there's nothing that exists that I'm aware of that isn't measurable in terms of uh, any type of business uh, product or service. So if you don't have numbers on, let's just say the simplest thing, like the types of people that are coming to your website, or the things that all the customers that you have have in common, then dude, you need to go back to the drawing board. That's crazy. Uh, you know. <laughs> so like, that's important. Uh, and then the last is probably like, when in doubt of like, should I stop doing uh, anything in the way of like outbound or marketing stuff as it exists? Like, I, I think you should be doubling down on it because that's where you actually go from that number eight or nine to the number one or two. Yeah, I totally agree on that point. And to actually show what we did and we got the same result that you just mentioned. So most of the people and the companies in our, in mainly in Europe, uh, sorry, in uh, Romania, uh, most of them decreased their marketing spend. For example, on Google, that's the most easy to see <laughs> result. Uh, yeah. So that earned us, we didn't. So we just kept the budget and actually uh, launched new ads, like a little one. Um, but we got double the impression share and the exposure in that market now for the same amount of money, which is crazy. Uh, so Beautiful. You know, like inbound requests started to grow as well. So definitely for you guys that are thinking whether you should leave or not your marketing spend in that direction, um, as Taylor was saying, just double down on it. Super nice. cool. Thanks a lot, man. Um, and ultimately, so People that want to get in touch with you for either of the subjects, we'll drop the links in the description below the episode and on YouTube and everywhere. Uh, can they reach out to you on LinkedIn as well? Of course, Taylor Ryan on LinkedIn. I, I think there's only a couple of us on there. So. <laughs> Sweet. I'll, I'll drop a link to your um, LinkedIn profile as well. Thanks a lot. Have a top day and looking forward to meet again very soon. Sounds great, man. Take it easy. Cheers. See ya. Yeah.